Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Verse number 13, the Bible states these words, and it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp. In the morning, the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, it is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. They called it manna. They didn't quite know what it was, and that's basically what manna means. What is it? Moses brings clarification, says this is bread, which the Lord, everybody said the Lord, the Lord hath given you to eat. Now this is going to be a little peculiar today because from the book of Exodus 16, in the context of speaking about manna, I want to talk to you about giving like the Lord has just brought a few things to mind and together this has been some time ago but I got him I got it all scribed right here in my Bible See that writing there that's as I do daily reading I got my notes scribed in my Bible here today amen the Lord is going to help us this morning concerning the subject matter of giving now I heard I think it was David Akers here recently he said now it's just very biblical he said whenever they talked about giving to Malachi, it grew deathly silent for 400 years before the New Testament. <laughs> so there's nothing more biblical than silence after someone says they're going to talk about giving. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today that he would help us. Father, I come to you today. I'm so grateful, Lord, this morning that you are kind and compassionate, Lord, to us. God, I pray, Lord God, that you're concerned, Lord, about us. Lord Jesus, our welfare. I pray, oh God, today that you're able to help us in the next few moments, Lord, our minds and hearts. God, to be given, Lord Jesus, over unto you. God, I pray, Lord, bless these people, Lord, that have come together on this Sunday morning. God, to surrender themselves and their lives, Lord, to the work of Christ. Lord, we will not be afraid, Lord Jesus, to thank you and praise you. God, whenever this is said and done, Lord, here this morning, God, and we give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in the lovely name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So again today, this may seem a little peculiar to be able to talk about giving from Exodus chapter number 16, but I believe that we can uh, very simply do that today. And with that being said, I want to uh, just make a statement. I know each of us that are here uh, this morning are right now in different different uh, uh, situations and circumstances of life. 
And uh, I'm just talking about giving from the word of the Lord. And what I'm saying is this. I know there are some here that may be presently unemployed. There are some here that may uh, presently be upon uh, an income that is regulated by the government due to not having a job and uh, so on and so forth. And I, I, am, I am not asking anything of you beyond, uh, you know, what is capable of being done. But I'm just going to talk about giving today. And so I don't want you to feel... Uh, well, this is peculiar. Here am I in my circumstance and situation. This, this really has nothing to do with that. This has nothing to do uh, with that today. This is just talking about giving. And I want to talk to it through the story of whenever God gave manna, bread as it was called from heaven, to the children of Israel in their wilderness journeys. And there's something of interest, I believe, because they have just been brought out of Egyptian bondage. And I am just teaching this morning, if you've not noticed already. They just came out of Egyptian bondage, and they have been very successful in passing through the Red Sea, which they were somewhat worried about. Uh, they, at different times through their wilderness journeys, seemingly lacked water, but God always supplied. There were times that they... Uh, lacked food or bread as it were but God always supplied and in this particular setting of scripture he's giving them the giving them meat or quail from heaven in the evening and he's given them bread from heaven in the morning and so he is supplying their every need but here is the verse it's verse number verse number four of Exodus 16 that I think will help us here a little bit today. Exodus 16 and verse 4, the Bible states these words, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate. Everybody say a certain rate. A certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no now first of all this morning whenever we talk about bread now you're thinking about the loaf of bread that's in your cabinet all right but whenever we talk about bread in old testament times bread was not just the sustainer of life and many times the sole sustainer of life but bread was recognized as life itself a person without bread was in many ways soon to be without life. Bread stood for life. The bread that they had in the Old Testament times, usually no person went anywhere without bread. And oftentimes, whenever they took their bread, they would make little slits in the bread. And when they would make those little slits in the bread, sometimes they would put other foods such as berries and things like that in the slits of the bread to help them on their journey to carry it, to be a means of carrying it, so they would have sustenance for their bodies. But bread also was more than just, it was more than just something that you ate. Bread very well could be a monetary type thing, something that you could trade and barter with. So trade, uh, bread in many instances was a way to secure other things that you had need of. You did that many times by the trading or the bartering of the bread that you had. And so we understand then a lot of life, Old Testament life, 
centered on and circled around bread. If I could, for our purposes this morning, bread in many ways in the Old Testament is what money is for us today. It was the means by which we were fed. It was the means by which they secured other priorities and necessities of life. It all happened according and by the bread. And so whenever God came to this place with the children of Israel and they were no doubt hungry and they were worried about food, he told them that he was going to give them some bread from heaven. And so having that, of course, was going to supply their actual hunger need, but he would also take care of other needs in their life if they needed to barter or bargain, it would seem like, but it had to be done within that day because it was going to go away. Man, it was. Uh, But whenever we see this, when we see this, the Lord states the reason why he gave the bread to the people. Now, it would seem to us that it would reason he gave them bread in order to take care of their hunger. But that wasn't the primary reason why the Lord gave them the bread from heaven or manna, as it was stated in verse number four. But he gave it to them. He said that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no, whether or not they will or will not walk in my law, all according to this bread from heaven that I am giving them. In other words, how they interact with this manna, how they how they handle this manna, how they uh, 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 do the things that are required in all of the other details concerning this manna. He said that will tell me then how they will walk or not walk in my law. See, Exodus chapter 20 hasn't come yet. We're in chapter 16. Exodus chapter 20 hasn't come yet where where Moses is given and comes down and has these 10 commandments as the Lord gives to him and writes upon those tables of stone. And so the Lord's saying, I'm, I'm I'm gonna do a little pilot run here. I'm gonna do a little pilot run to see how the children of Israel will do with having no other gods before them and, 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 and with not bear false witnessing against their neighbor and not stealing and not killing and, and honoring their mother. I'm going to see how they're going to do with my law based upon how they do with this bread or this manna from heaven. And so how successful they are in dealing with and contending with the manna from heaven will tell me how they'll contend with then with my law. Folks, I cannot see any more direct line in my mind because money, although it's very practical, it's very spiritual. It's very spiritual as well. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament Scripture, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 19, Luke 19 and verse number 8, we see a connection between the spiritual aspect of money and, and also this aspect of what we will be willing to do or not to do for God based upon how we handle our money. All right? Because God's saying, I'll know whether you keep my law or not based upon how you interact with the manna, which for their, their, their own right was nothing more in, uh, similar to currency in their day. And this is what it says in Luke 19 and verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, the Lord... The half of my goods I will give to the poor. And I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, which he had. I restore him fourfold. Verse 19 says, 
And Jesus said unto him, This day, everybody say this day, is salvation come to this house, for so much also he, as he also is the son of man. The Lord said, here's Zacchaeus, the wee little man that climbed up in the sycamore tree that you've heard your Bible stories of. Jesus told him, I'm coming to your house uh, today. And upon doing all of this, whenever Zacchaeus understands that the Lord is there and he feels conviction in his spirit and his soul over things that he had gathered, resources, money that he had gathered, that he had plenty of, that he was uh, hoarding, so to speak, and then even taken from others. He says, now, Lord, I'm going to give what I owe back to these people. I'm going to restore to them fourfold. And when upon hearing that, Jesus says, this day salvation has come into your house. He was making a connection that there is a connection between what we do with our money and the other spiritual aspects of the kingdom of God. There, there is a direct tie, amen, whenever we're willing to give something that God has given us. When we're willing to return to God something that God has given to us, God says, I can start then to see how you'll interact with other laws that I give to you and other practices. Because him telling us about a tenth, as the Old Testament tells it, about rendering a tenth or a tithe, which means tenth. When he talks about those laws in the Old Testament all the way up through the New Testament, he talks about free will offerings and he gives all the laws and all the commands that he would want us to abide by. He's saying if they will not abide by these things, then there's perhaps some other laws and commands that I give them that they won't abide by either. And so in the Old Testament, he said manna is going to be the pilot run. He says, because I'm going to give them some laws and regulations on how they should interact with this manna. And if they will do well by that, there's a good chance then, whenever I bring the commands to Moses and let him bring it to the people, that they will be well in having no other gods before me, honoring their mother and the father. Amen. I'm going to use then what, if I could say it like this, I'm going to use then what they do with their currency. All right? Dictate then a possibility of what they might do with other laws that I have. Can someone say amen? And so whenever the manna came, the manna absolutely it supplied a need. It supplied a need in their life. It was the bread that was from heaven. But again, its true purpose was to test their obedience. It's the real purpose of the manna was not so much for their hunger. As it was to test their obedience. Wouldn't it be interesting that the things that God allows us to gain concerning monetary, currency, money in our life with our health and our wealth that came from God. If those things that he bestows in our life, if he's not using for a test of our obedience. Someone say amen. Because here's the question God is getting at in Exodus 16. Can they, oh, listen to me. Can they obey me with what I've blessed them with? Man, it didn't come from Moses. Nope. Man, it didn't come from their neighbor. Manna came from heaven. Manna that came into their life was a direct result of the God of life. And he's wanting to know, can they obey me? with what I've blessed them with. That's really what he's getting at. Because if they can obey me with what I've blessed them with, then there are other avenues in life 
that perhaps they'll obey me as well. Because listen, and we know all things come from God, but we live in this real world and we don't have that type of mindset and we see things differently all times. But they could, without any doubt, deny that the bread that was upon their table each day, that came from God. That came from God. So if they can obey me with things they know came from me, can they obey me with things that they don't necessarily see the direct connection as though it came from me? Is someone hearing me today? And so with that being said, look at the prescription. Look at the prescription that God gave the children of Israel concerning this bread. The Bible says in verse number 16, and we're in Exodus 16 here a lot today. In Exodus chapter 16 and verse 16, this is the thing the Bible says, which the Lord have commanded, gather of it, speaking of manna, that bread, every man according to his eating. And then the Lord prescribes, he prescribes what that is for each man. He says, an omer for every man. Christ said then, God's saying, an omer is good then for a man's eating. He says, according to the number of your persons, take ye every man for them which are in the tents. In other words, if you had five people in your tent, then you took five omers, an omer for each person. If you had two people in a tent, you took two omers, an omer for each person. God says that's really what's necessary. That's what's necessary. That's what's required for you to be able to sustain yourself from today to tomorrow because manna fell every day except for on the sixth day it fell twice as much because they were not together any on the seventh day. And so he, he says, he says you're going to, so there's going to be some tents that have more because there's more people there. He says there are going to be some tents that have less because there's less people there. So there's going to be some more and some less. And that sounds pretty good, don't it? Huh? Nobody has to get real, you know, high on the hog. Just need what I need in order to make it through life, right? Huh? God says I prescribe that it's a nomer. Here's the interesting thing concerning the manna and the giving aspect. When we look at giving, we see God says, returning to me a tenth. Saying that, what that means is this. He's saying take 90. Okay? So here in the scripture, he's saying take a nomer. But what about the rest that's on the ground? Leave the rest to go back to whom it came from. Huh? So whenever he was telling them, take an omer, he was telling them, I know what you need. I know what you need. Leave the rest on the ground for it to return. And that's what it did. Return to the one from which it came. When we talk about giving... Now, he says it a little differently here. He says, return a tenth, but basically what he's saying, you take nine. What's he saying? He's saying, I know what you need. Take 90 and let the rest return back to the one from which it came. Someone say amen. And so with that being said, there's some with more and some with less as a result of what comes into your hand from the beginning, but proportionally it's the same. Huh? 90% is 90%. 10% is 10%. So it's proportionally the same. Now look at this. In verse 18, And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much, which was an omer, but there might be five in his house, so it could be five omers, one for each individual. He that gathereth much had nothing over. And he that gathereth little had no lack. 
Now, isn't that a good plan? <laughs> isn't that a good plan? Someone could say amen or just, you know, just shake your head a little bit. Each person was together as much as was needed. Amen. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. There were some that were fretful about having enough. There were some that were fretful about needing a month enough. Moses and God told him, whatever that omer that you take, you devour, because if any is left for tomorrow, it's going to be ate up with worms. Yeah, it's going to be ate up with worms. By the morning, it's going to stink. It's going to stink. But there were some that was taking an omer, which God says, I know that's necessary for today. And they were, they were eating some, but they were keeping some back. Why? And I'm not against saving. I believe we got to prepare for the future. This has nothing to do with that. But they kept some back. Why? Because they were not certain. They were doubtful about the provision that God would supply tomorrow. I, we don't have a record of it, but if I know if I know humanity, I know humanity. I wouldn't doubt that maybe someone tried to just gather a little bit more than an omer, because they was concerned, if you will, about if provision was going to be there tomorrow. But see, faith in God is this: you take what God says He knows is necessary for you, you let the rest return into Him. And whatever you need tomorrow or next week or bi-weekly or monthly, however it comes to you, whatever you need, you're going to have. Yes. You. Someone say amen. You are going to have. So you don't have to, you don't, you, it's, this is not something that we're hoarding. We got to hoard God's, what's God's and mine, because I'm not sure God's going to supply tomorrow. Someone say amen. What that boils down to in modern day language is this. <laughs> oh God. Hey, where's my hanky at? I feel like I'm starting to sweat. Is this. You know, I'm 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 gonna keep more, I'm gonna keep more than what God believes is necessary for me. Because we got some things coming up. We really want to go on vacation this year. We in thick waters today. You know, because if I could if I could keep back if I could keep back just, you know, fifty dollars of my tithe for the next several weeks, then that's gonna take care of our pleasurable time out on vacation. Everybody all right? Don't lose faith in your God being able to provide. Not even just for your needs, but even for some of your wants. So I stand here flat-footed today and tell you that God has many times went above and beyond 
and not just took care of my needs, but he took care of some of my pleasures too. I'm, I'm telling you the truth today. Since I was old enough to make a, a, a dime, all right? Been taught by my parents to pay tithes. First job I ever had, I was 13 years old working in the melon fields in Johnson, Indiana. From that day forward, this boy having a job has paid tithes. Never quit, never once. And I stand here along with David and testify to you, I once was young, but now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Someone say amen. And yes, we've had hard times and difficult times, but something is absolutely true. God has always been faithful. And if anybody knows what I need, God knows what I need. I'm telling you today, if anybody knows what your needs are, God knows what your needs are. Whether you're in despair on the mountain, in the valley, whatever the financial climate of your life is, God knows what your... Oh, Holy Ghost. Amen. And no. Everybody take everybody take an omer, and we're looking at what they're taking. And that's interesting because Jesus had the same type of mindset in New Testament scripture. Whenever he's setting over against, and there was the treasury, the Bible says, and there were people coming by and they were given into the treasury, and there were those that were rich that were given of their abundance. And then there was a little old lady that had two mites, and she puts it in. And he states to his disciples, she has given more than them all. She has given them more than them all. Two mites. They, though, were given out of their abundance, but she has given more than them all. And we've said it time and time again. How in the world did you measure that, God? Because I measure it by what she kept. I measure it by what she kept. And only God knows what our true abilities are. Now, he knows it for sure. Tithing, that's, that's a non-negotiable. Tithing is non-negotiable. That's not like if you want to, you can. If you don't want to, you can't. No, you get in trouble with God when you don't tithe. Read Malachi. He states us that we are robbers whenever we don't give unto him or leave to him the 10, the 10%. Amen. Now, now uh, it's free will offering. That's according to everybody's uh, conviction. But in that, the Lord knows how much we're capable of. Amen. In that, the Lord knows how much we're capable of. Now, look. They gathered this. They gathered this man every morning. Every man according to his eating, and some were, of course, as I said, fretful about the provision of the next day, not believing they would have enough. In New Testament scripture, he tells them like this. I think it's in Matthew 6. tells them, take no thought for tomorrow. Don't think about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. Huh? That if your God has adorned the lilies of the valley and his eyes on the sparrow and how those lilies are so much taken care of that's a part of God's creation, that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like unto one of them, then how much more? How much more does your heavenly father have your needs? <laughs> Even during this winter time, there's no birds around here that are starving because there's not something supplied for them. Are you hearing me? There, 
we've had this winter time in snow heavy up on the ground but I got a tree in my backyard that's got little berries on it that stay on the tree they get shriveled up sometimes but you know what I find out in the winter time when the birds can't penetrate the ground with their beak they go to the berry that's in the tree who put that berry in the tree God did because he knew there was going to be a winter season when they couldn't get it from the ground I'm telling you, if God has that type of forethought for the birds of the air, what type of forethought does he have for your life? What? He does. Yes, he does. <laughs> so each day that man was left on the ground, the people... This is important. Willingly let portions on the ground because they had their omer, all that they needed for today. And with that, they were also doing this. This is important. With that then, they were believing then for God to supply their tomorrow. That's major. Because giving isn't just about the giving, the exchange of money. It's about believing God for your tomorrow or your next week, right? Or the monthly concerns that's in your life. Now, this, 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 it's, it's interesting to me because I know, folks, money, the world circles around money, right? Mm. Uh, the, the wisest man, Solomon, who wrote Ecclesiastes, he said in Ecclesiastes 10, 19, he said, but money answereth all things. It did for them too. Currency. Honey, you go get a wife, you better have a dowry. <laughs> That'd be something good still to live by today for some of these young men. <laughs> Sister Ronnie said, uh huh. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, before Adam ever got married, he had a job to keep the, and watch over the garden. But Aunt money answereth money answereth all things and so that's the reason why God is so interested in this concept of what we're willing to do or obey concerning this aspect of money in our lives and then how that sets a stage of how we'll react to other things that he asks of us now here's the thing they were together manna every day for six days they would gather it by the next morning, that manna was gone. If they had any that was left in their cupboard, it would stink, the worms. So they would consume that. The next day, they would gather another omer. They would do that for six days. Yet on the sixth day, they were together twice as much. And God, consequently, must have supplied twice as much. It's not like everybody, you know, folks, as soon as, as, soon as the dew starts leaving the ground, let's run out there and be the first ones because we want to get our double because there's probably some family around here going to go home with less. No, that's not the way to operate it. First come, first serve. God supplied twice as much. And they gathered twice as much because the seventh day, there was a law all the way back tied to creation. Man was not to work. Man was not try to increase or get gain. But he was to pause and worship. Oh, now we're getting down to something, aren't we? To see how they're going to respond to my other laws on how they respond concerning this manna thing. 
They were to make what they need to make concerning food on the sixth day. Because the seventh day was coming and they needed to pause and worship. Listen, 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 listen. I understand. We live in a different society than what they lived in. I understand. I've worked on Sunday. Other people in this place have worked on Sunday. It's been designated. It's been demanded of your employer to do so. But again, there is a big difference in having to and volunteering to. Amen. As a matter of fact, around the temple walls, they were not to have merchants come and set up their things and sell on Sunday. And the Bible says it got to one particular place that they were belly aching. They were belly aching. They said, we can't wait till Sabbath is over. Why? So we can get back to our merchandising. You can read it in your Bible. Said we can't wait till, till, till Sunday's over so we can get back to our merchandising. What? So we can get back to making some money. Huh? Amen. God says we're going to see how they do concerning this manna thing. Are they going to want to pause on the seventh day? Or are they going to you know, want to stir around and try to be baking the cakes on that seventh day? Someone hear me? Said, are they going to gather double? Or are they going to just think that I'm going to give and provide them? No, 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 no. He said, I'm going to see how they are obedient with what I've blessed them. And if they'll turn around and then provide worship back to me on the seventh day. Folks, that's, that's where it's at. If you don't have to work on Sunday, don't you work on Sunday. If you don't have to work late on Wednesday night, don't you dare work late on Wednesday night. You need to come to the house of God and return worship, amen, to what he allowed you to get all the other days of the week and how he's provided yes amen how he's provided for you because listen although money is very spiritual Bible also talks about it in Proverbs about honey it can have wings and it can fly away I know you all know what I'm talking about there when's the last time you pulled out your bill and thought well I thought I had $20 in there where'd that go here goes that money. It's taken up wings. It's sprouted wings and it has flown away. And the fact of the matter is this. The fact of the matter is this. It is temporal. It is temporal. Oh, Brother McGee, what we do for my God, you know, come on, this man, a thing, all that. No, consider, consider the New Testament scripture. What did he tell them? And then let me see if I can go to it and find it here real quick. What, what, what did he tell them in the New Testament scripture? Uh, Matthew 6 in verse number 19. He said, lay not up for yourselves treasure upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. Right? It happens. It happens. Has anybody got a house that they don't got to keep maintenance up on? Huh? From time to time, you got to repaint, fix a toilet. Huh? Have somebody come out and spray for termites. Re-roof. Good for 25 years, but when 25 years are over, maybe sooner, there she is. Huh? I got a motorcycle in my garage. You know what happens? Pipes start to rust. Breaks down. Cars got to have new tires. Oil's got to be changed. <laughs> All these things. There's nothing that I own in this life that doesn't deteriorate. It's 
nothing I own this life that doesn't need some type of maintenance. I had a trailer, it had to have maintenance. Had to winterize it. Times that leaks came in the roof. There were times you had to fix this, fix that, and the other. Man, you know what? The more you own, the more busy you're going to be. The more, the more busy you're going to be and the more money it's going to take. Because you've got to have license and insurance on all those vehicles. You know, if you got three stories, you got to heat and cool all three. Well, Jesus. Anyway, the, the treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. Boy, that happens. Stay around that karma for a while. It might happen to you. <laughs> I'm telling you. The more you got, the more you have to lose. He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures. I'm not telling here anybody don't have anything, but I'm just speaking the facts of life. Those are just facts. But lay up for your tre- yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your what? There will your heart be. Why was manna or their currency a good pilot run? Why is money a good indication for us? Because where we invest it, where we put it, that's where our desires are. It doesn't matter what all the other bodily actions of your life are. The true test for obedience, Christ says, comes down to what they're doing with their money. Where their treasure is. That's what your heart be. You've heard me say this before. If you, if, you, if you would give me a bank statement of yours and allow me to look at it, I could probably start telling you where your favorite place or most frequented place was to eat. Whether you preferred Rulers, Aldi's, Walmart, IGA, or Bueller's. Why? Because that's where you put your money. Right? That's where we put our money. And so if I went down, God help me today. So if I go down through there, we, we don't have electronic de- deposit set up around here as far as you being able to give your uh, debit card in order to pay tithes and offerings. But if we did, I guess we'd have to look down through checkbooks. But if we would go down through there, and you know there's months beyond months go by, and every once in a while there's a little spike, and I, this has nothing to do about me. This has nothing to do about your God. No FAC in there. No F, there's no FAC in there. Huh? God help me. But I see, I see where they've made payments on a new boat. And I see where they was able to do this little fanciful thing here and, and there. Man, I wonder what they love. Folks, there is a blessing in giving. There's a blessing in tithing. The reason why he said in, in Malachi to prove him now. Prove him now. If he would not open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessing, you have not room 
Everybody say no room. You have not room enough to contain. Now the problem, the disconnect for some is that they're just thinking about dollar signs. That the way that the windows open to them is just through dollar signs. That's incorrect. It's just not money for money. But sometimes it's money and for that old washing machine that's been around for 30 years, it's still running. And the sickness that hit everybody else around you that didn't hit your body. Oh, somebody hear me today. There is a blessing in giving. And there could be someone right now said, well, Brother McGee, we don't have problems with any of that. Everything's fine and well, and we're doing just fine setting the way we are, doing the way we are. Friend, all I got to tell you is you better knock on wood concerning God's mercy. You better knock on wood concerning God's mercy. But I guarantee you there is a tabulation in heaven that's taking place. And although your day might not be this day or while you're living right now, there will come an hour. The creditor's going to come to the house. Now look. Check it on time here. Exodus 16 and verse 32. Look at this, look at this, look at this. Because whenever we, oftentimes when we talk about man, we're talking about God doing the miraculous, right? Even when we talk about, and this is what I'm getting ready to talk about here in verse number 32. Look at it. And Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commanded. Fill an omer. There it is, that one individual amount that every man took each day. This is the thing which the Lord commanded. Fill an omer of it, that is manna, to be kept for your generations. Because no doubt this was a segment of time during their wilderness journey when this was scarce that he was providing this for them. It was a segment of time. But he says, I want you to keep an omer, individual portion of this. What I said was necessary for a man. And he said, for the purpose of future generations, that they may see the bread. Wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness. When I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. Now, oftentimes, whenever I preach it and talk to myself, oftentimes we talk about the, 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 uh, the rod of Aaron that budded, right? Talk about that. We talk about then the other thing was in there, the Ten Commandments that was in the Ark of the Covenant. And we talk about the golden pot of man, and we talk about the miraculous provision of the Lord. And all of that, uh, to a certain degree, is absolutely true. But manna being kept in the Ark of the Covenant was more than a testament to the miraculous provision of the Lord. Listen to me. You know what else that spoke of? Faithful stewardship. It wasn't just about miraculous provision, but since it was that omer, that exact portion that was for each individual's needs, it was also a testament to faithful stewardship. He didn't have more than an omer than there. He didn't have less than an omer than there. He had exactly what an individual needed in there. This was a testament to faithful stewardship. You know what he wanted to know? Generations, he didn't just want them to know that God could provide what no one else could provide. But he wanted them to know what faithful stewardship looked like too. Hey, hear me? He wanted them to know what faithful stewardship looked like as well. What are you saying? Saying we didn't take all the manna available. But they took what was needed and they left the rest to return to God from whence it came. Could someone say amen? Now, I'm, I'm hastening to close. I'm going to do it here in just a couple minutes. 
Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 3 and verse 9. He says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Honor the Lord with thy substance, the first fruits of all thy increase. And look, he says, the barns are not going to be depleted by you honoring God. And the presses are not going to be lack because you honor God. But it's almost like quite on the contrary. By honoring God, they're going to be filled with plenty. And they're going to be bursting You know, whenever he came through the Lord of the house and he gave a servant five talents, two talents, and one talent. Remember that? And then whenever the five had doubled and the two had doubled, but the one had nothing. And whenever the one that had the nothing, he gave to the one with ten. Why in the world? Do you think he'd do something like that? Huh? One world would he do, give that, that one that nothing was done with to the one that had five that had doubled it? One world would do something like that? Because this is what I believe. This is just, this is, this is McGee, okay? I think God knows how much money each of us can really handle. meaning in what we'll actually do with it. That kind of the principle, if you're faithful over a few, I'll make you ruler over many. This, this just McGee, I believe some people are not making as much money as they could be making because they're not as faithful with the money they are making. And I've told you, back at Brother Carpenter's, there was a guy, he was wanting to make X number of dollars. And the thing was this, he started paying tithes as though he was already making that. And within just a few months, he was making that. I'm not asking anybody to double the tithe. But I'm just saying, God, God, I believe is not going to endow us with things that we misappropriate. Or handle incorrectly concerning his word. If you'll stand with me this morning. Honor the Lord then with your substance. Everybody say first fruits. First fruits of all thine increase. First fruits are the fruits that you get before anybody else got it. First fruits is what comes to you before the government gets his hand in it. Before your insurance gets its hand in it. 
before your 401k gets its hand in it. First fruits is what we call in the business world your gross. Amen. Your gross. With the first fruits of all thine, everybody say increase. Is the only place that you're ever increased with money is what you earn on your job? Have you ever sowed anything? Did increase come into your life? Uh, you can go as deep as you want to on this, but you ever received a monetary gift? Was that increase that came into your life? All increase is pretty replete. All. All increase. <laughs> All. As a practice, around my house, we pay, we pay, we pay tithe on birthday money, Christmas money, things we sell, even if we sold it for less than what we bought it for. Feel the four hundred years of silence coming in here. <laughs> oh, God bless us today, man. I so purpose yes applied to need but more importantly I wanted to see that they would be obedient to him with what he blessed them with I believe in many measures it's exactly what the monetary the money that he places in our life is it's a pilot run to see if they will bless me if they will be obedient to me with what I have blessed them with and whether they do or whether they don't might set the stage for other things concerning my kingdom about whether or not they will adhere to or not adhere to. Let me state this, and I think I can state this almost flat-footed. I lean on Bishop's year of experience, but I can probably state this flat-footed. That more than likely, if a person has a giving and keeping to the giving plan that God has prescribed in his word, if they have a problem there, that they have more than just that problem going on. It's usually just hardly ever just isolated to that. Why? Because he said, I'll use that as a rule to see how they'll operate in other areas of life. Amen. We bow our heads this morning. Brother McGee, I could have sure used one of those services like the past two Sundays. Well, we get all this in alignment. It'll happen again. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.